Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome or welcome back to Stoke Floor, the official gathering place for newbies, novices, and OG diehard fans of the golden age of primetime. I'm your host, Jet, and we're viewing and reviewing the soapiest, studiest primetime storylines of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. It's a Dallas kind of day as we jump on episode 8 of season 3, Rodeo. I'm giving you the good, the bad, the bold, and the bubbly of this iconic soap. So whether you're new to this or true to this, sit back and enjoy. Tell the kids to pay outside or out of sight. Tell they no questions, suggestions, or concerns for the next 25-35 minutes. Tell everyone else in earshot. You can be cool, you can be quiet, or you can be kicked out. Because my stories are on. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Soap Lore. I love gorgeous. Welcome to another fun whole edition of Soap Floor. Can't deny it, I've been waiting all week for this. Dallas is quickly becoming one of my favorite things to watch on television. And I need to, I really do need to get to the bottom of this Kristen slash JR thing. Now, I understand that what I want and what will happen are 90, they're usually not the same thing. 90% chance it's not going to be what I want to happen. But I'd like to get to the meat and potatoes of this. How is she going to parlay this? And I, I had a little more time to think about it. And since I found out that Knox Landing is a spinoff, Knox Landing, again, sounds like something you're sailing. Sounds like a shipyard of some sort. So I am betting money. I was betting money on Lucy because Lucy made a comment on an earlier episode about wanting to go to school on the East Coast. However, I forgot about this broad. I totally forgot about Kristen. Kristen wanted to be an architect. She's supposed to go to USC. She's supposed to go to California. So it would make a lot more sense if it was actually Kristen. So I imagine she's going to start playing a bigger role in this. And then somehow that spins off into Knox Landings. Now, I don't really understand this. I don't really know a lot of spinoffs. I started to think to myself, and I'm like, I think Melrose Place was a spinoff. I'm not really sure how it didn't really correlate with 90210, but in my head, they happened about the same time. And then we have Grey's Anatomy and that show with McSteamy's ex-wife. Again, don't remember her name. I know she had red hair and she had a whole practice in another city. So it's all about the ratings, people. And since we're 40 years, 50, 45 years after the fact, I can't tell you what happened when, but I do know I am all the way ready for season three's episode eight, Rodeo. I'm going to read the little synopsis that they put up here. It says that the annual Ewing sponsored rodeo, Sue Ellen finds herself drawn to Dusty Farlow, a cowboy participant in Digger Barnes holds dot, dot, dot. I don't know. I'm not going to look any deeper than that because I'm just not that curious. Plus I'm about to push play. So it doesn't really matter. But Sue Ellen with a love interest, it only makes sense because come on, let's, let's just be real for a second. Even in fiction, you've gone too far. You're hooking up with her sister, her baby sister, her baby sister, who's had breakfast at your house, who was probably in your wedding. You're hooking up with her baby sister. You've given her a job. She knows all of your deep, dark secrets, and she's got an apartment. Disrespect is at an all-time high. She has no choice but to step in and do what she needs to do with whomever she needs to do it with. So let's jump into season three's episode eight, Rodeo. 
Wow. Talk about emotional whiplash. JR and Sue Ellen's relationship is, is doing the most right now. So everyone is joining or coming out to the farm, the ranch, excuse me, not the farm, because of this rodeo. It is an annual rodeo sponsored by the Ewings held on Ewings ground. Here's the thing I tend to forget when it comes to this show, because they are ranchers, they have a more agricultural lifestyle. It seems a lot more blue collar than the average million slash billionaire. You forget how wealthy they are because they're actually physically doing hard labor. Anyone who farms understands this. It's not an easy job. It's something you need to do almost from sunup to sundown. And they do that a lot. So I tend to forget that they are, as we would say in the South, highfalutin. They're wealthy. They got a lot of money. They're not blue bloods. They're newish money. And they are highfalutin. They've, they've earned their keep. And they're trying to maintain their status. So I forget that a lot of times. And this has nothing to do with, with JR and Sue Ellen, but Sue Ellen's in her bedroom brushing her hair. And she's still, she is on absolute aggravation mode all season long. We are eight episodes in. She's given birth. She's crashed a car. She has seen her baby sister take in her husband. She is still, she's bothered. Not by what's going on. She's bothered at her, the like the state of her life. She's like, I just can't even believe I played myself. And this is where I have to live. She's not feeling it at all. So it's something about her indifference that turns JR on, which I find to be so obnoxious and so weird because it's like you took the steps necessary to foster this relationship with her baby sister, foster an illicit relationship with her baby sister. And then he has a nerve to be attracted to her. Now she's full, fully aware of what he's doing, all of his going on behind her back. And she can't bring herself to desire him. Now, all the ladies out here, you understand, and some men understand this. I have to want you mentally before I can want you physically. And for her, the mental is, it's just not there. She can't do it. And JR, he's a man. He looks at her. He's like, dang, she's hot. But she also hates you. She's not going to fold to him. So he can't understand why she won't. He's like, well, if you just give me a chance, if you give me a chance, I'll be a good man. No, you won't. You was a good man for two whole episodes. And then you were like, mm, to quote Jack Harlow, I got options. I can pass that chick like Stockton. He did just that. And the fact that it's her baby sister, I'm not sure there's a recovery from that. I'm just not sure. I, I just can't imagine how this happens. But okay, other other interesting tidbits. Ray is in this episode again. He gets a letter from someone in Dallas. And I, and I forget, y'all, this is 2023. Back when I was in high school, in the very late 90s, early 2000s, um, we would pass notes sometimes. So I forget that if you needed to send a message to someone, in my mind, you would email, obviously not in the 80s, you would send a letter. In the 80s, you would have to send a letter to somebody, but he looks disappointed. I can only make out the first name. It's Donna, someone or another, but we are four minutes into the show. So let me relax a little bit and get at least halfway through. I'll come back with my synopsis and we will go from there. Again with this, again with the pantyhose, I'm watching this, I'm watching Dallas, right? Sue Ellen is shopping, she's got a pantyhose, and which is not that big of a deal. 
that seems, it seems strange, but I, I guess in my mind, pantyhose died out in the 60s at some point. So it's surprising when I see in the late 70s, 1978, 1979, that they're still wearing them. Case in point, Pam, there's a scene with Pam and Digger where she finds uh, a flyer for the Ewing Rodeo and she's worried that Digger's going to show up and act a fool. She thinks he's going to act a teetotal fool and say something to embarrass the whole family. She's not really trying to have that. She's not having it. So he swears to her that that's not the case. But here's the thing. She's wearing this beautiful red dress, but she's wearing pantyhose. She leaves. She's not wearing a bra. And let me tell you, ladies, and listen, men, you may not understand this, but women, you get me. When we come home and it's the end of the day, I'm that bra is a first after my shoes. I'm snatching that bra off. I want nothing to do with it. So it blows my mind when I think about there's a time, there's a day and age where women didn't wear bras and it's recorded on film. Pam is wearing absolutely no bra, but you would put on pantyhose. So then I have to ask myself, I said, Jet, would you rather wear pantyhose all day or a bra? And as much as I hate it, I'd wear that bra all day. The pantyhose are just, it's such a hassle. At least the bra is underneath your clothes. No one else really sees it. It is what it is. It doesn't actually stop anything from happening. You know what I mean? It just gives you a little bit of a better shape, gives you a little bit of support. But ultimately, you need to snatch that thing off at the end of the day. Pantyhose, I suppose it makes your legs look good. But I'm thinking, surely, like these women are young. You could tan. You could wear pants. You could just let your legs be what they're going to be. Pantyhose are such a hassle. But I'm assuming it's it's like the early boomers. These girls would have been boomers. They're full bloomers. I mean, I don't know what the generation, I guess it's the silent generation right before that. But it's just ingrained in them. It's just like my generation. What do we do? Oh, God. Do you guys remember the scrunchy phase? Maybe it's the scrunchy phase. Maybe it's the hair clip phase. It's the everyone's wearing false eyelashes now. I don't know. We all go through different things in our different times, but just the pantyhose is stressing me out. Also worth noting that I've talked at length about the drip on Dynasty. They're clearly spending a lot of money. Crystal had a $100,000 wardrobe. On Dallas, it's not that they aren't as jazzy. They are definitely dressing up. They're dressing well. But we have to, I have to take a step back and pay homage to jock of all people jock's drip is unfadeable you want to talk remember on the single season sensation the yellow rose we talked about sanchez and he had his drip was i mean he had the bolo tie he had the gold clips at the end of his butterfly collar we called him ranch because that baby was dressing we're gonna have to call him italian catalina ranch green goddess because Jock be dressing every outfit Jock puts on. He's had several custom denim suits. He's had several of those 70s where like you can see the stitch on the outside of it. And now at the rodeo, he is in a baby blue, cornflower blue ensemble. It is kind of a monochromatic look. He's got on blue pants, which I'm, I'm assuming are denim. He's got on a bright gold buckle with a tan belt 
probably snakeskin, and his shirt is a slightly lighter color blue than the pants. But it is full-on 70s, 50s, 60s, whatever. You think about a country in Western art, country in Western, not country, country in Western artists from back in the day with the embellished blouse. That's what he has on. And it's got like this beautiful black and white floral embellishment all on the sleeves, all on the shoulder, and then it, it like drips down into a V. There's a really thick embroidered black line that separates like the, the top of the chest from the bottom. Then there's black lines right about where his pockets should be, black buttons, and a big 1979 butterfly collar. Baby, listen, listen. As far as drip goes, as far as drip goes, a geriatric man, in a cowboy hat and a baby blue ensemble would give Alexis and Crystal and Fallon a run for their money. Baby, he he came to eat. He ate. He left no crumbs. I would wear that today. Of course, I have boobs, so that looks different. That's the thing that irritates me so much. Men's clothing, they don't have to worry about like their chesticles. They can just put on whatever. The drip is unstoppable. I don't know what's happening to me. It's probably because I'm I'm sliding into 40. Suddenly, I'm interested in country and Western wear. Ever since I started watching The Yellow Rose, it's like, I need a Western outfit. My mother, God, I'll call her. I'm never going to tell her this. She's going to have to just find out like anybody else. But she used to try to get me to wear Rocky Mountain jeans. And she's like, Jet, you have such a cute shape. Why don't you wear the Rocky Mountain jeans? I'm like, Mom, I'm not. There was a term we used back in the day. A, let's call him a dookie kicker. I'm not a dookie kicker. I don't want to wear Western clothes. I resented the fact that just because we lived in Texas that you thought we had to wear Western wear. Here's the truth. Eventually, eventually, especially if you're a native Texan, eventually you're going to succumb to this at some point. I never thought that I would succumb to it in the vintage form. I don't want to wear modern country clothes. I like the clothes from back in the day. Jock's drip is unfadable. I really need you guys to watch this. Go to Freebie TV within your Amazon app. This is Dallas, season three, episode eight, called Rodeo. Unfadable. This episode was a little hard to process for me. I find it to be depressing. Sue Ellen is still in her funk, and she's met this really cute car carboy, cowboy named Dusty Farlow. Now, Dusty is very cute. They bump into each other at town because she needed to go shopping, but she's she's just in a bad mood the whole episode, right? Well, he immediately recognizes her. I guess Dallas was a whole lot smaller back in 1979, and he tells her he's going to be at the rodeo later on today. So this episode, when everyone's at the rodeo, of course, they're outside. It feels a whole lot like the barbecue episode, which was like episode five or four, season one where Digger Barnes did that little, <laughs> y'all remember. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I've already said this, I had to re-record this last part because like the microphone was acting weird. Anyway, there's a ton of people at South Fork. So I'm going to leave the Sue Ellen thing out. I'm not going to leave it out. There's just not a whole lot goes on other than she sees him. He sees her. She pretends to be stuck up. He sees right through it. She's really feeling him. Turns out he's not just a poor cowboy who travels all around the world. He comes from a really rich family in in San Angelo. So she's like, okay. 
It's almost like she's annoyed that he's wealthy and he picks up on that. And she's like, no, I don't know. I just, I don't know what I'm thinking, but yes, I do like you. Well, JR is watching all of this and he has Kristen pick this random fight with this random guy. It doesn't really make sense to me. She picks a fight, I guess, to cause a scene. I don't really know. I, I got to be honest. I tuned out a little bit towards the end, not because the episode wasn't good, but it just didn't, it wasn't that exciting. By the end of the episode, JR has had enough. He's seen her flirting and suddenly he feels a way about it. Oh, he does check Kristen at one point. Kristen makes a comment about how stuck up and how just overall unpleasant Sue Ellen is being. And she is. But JR is like, hey, hey, little girl, stay in a side piece's place. That's still my wife and my loyalties are to her loyalties as he's sleeping with her sister. Anyway. He checks Kristen about that. And by the end of the episode, he can tell that Dusty and Sue Ellen are hitting it off. And maybe he knows who he is. He recognizes that he's a rich kid. So she could possibly, she could hypothetically leave him and still be in a wealthy oil family, you know? So he snatches her up. He rushes her up to the bedroom and he's trying to, he's, he's, he's weirdly attracted to her this episode. It's like the more she doesn't want him, the more he wants her. And she knows that. And she's just like, I literally, I cannot stand you for real, for real. You're disgusting. And if you want somebody to, to roll in the hay with you, why don't you go talk to Kristen? Basically tell him, you know, I know. And I still don't care. I can't stand neither one of y'all. And he claims that he will. But there's nothing that really turns up from that other than the fact that you just get to see how absolutely miserable she is still. Even after the baby, even after stopping drinking, even after she still won't touch the kid. She still wants nothing to do with him. She seemed to be on the up and up last episode where she was going to the psychiatrist, but it doesn't look like she's doing that anymore. So she's back to square one and it's just not feeling well. I really hope something bubbles over with her because it's a waste of a character. I I know it's not going to be a waste of a character, but it feels like it right now. I'm going to trust that in the next, you know, 10 episodes or so, something has got to pop off. Digger Barnes does show up, but he doesn't act a fool. He handles it pretty well, well enough, but I'll let you guys watch that. I want to talk about Ray and Lucy real quick. So I, I've always felt, especially since the start of season two, that Lucy seems to be an afterthought, even though there's so much opportunity there. Like her story, okay, granted up against the Sue Ellen thing, she's not that interesting, but she has a potential to be, you know, she's young, she's beautiful, she has the freedom to run around Dallas. She doesn't really have any consequences. We need a bad girl. The bad girl club is down one. And I think she is an excellent candidate. Granted, we have Kristen showing up, kicking up dust. She's taking notes. But Lucy has clocked Kristen from the beginning. She recognized, she's like, game recognizes game. I like to sleep with and manipulate older men. I like to get money in all my way. So she knows what's up. They would be perfect to go up against each other. And of course, I've got the whole not selling anything in my head. So I'm thinking like, how could this this be parlayed into something else? But this episode, she's suddenly all of a sudden interested in Ray and his friendship again. And Ray's another one. He's been sprinkled into the episodes more and more lately. So I'm assuming something big is about to pop off with him. This particular episode, though, he is he's grumpy. This is why it was so depressing. Him and Sue Ellen kind of have an attitude the whole time. I can understand who Sue Ellen's, but his is a little bit annoying. So it goes like this. He's getting letters from that Donna character. Donna, who I totally forgot about, was the, I think she had a rich, 
He was either like a congressman or something, some rich husband who was much, much older than her. And her and Ray started fooling around. Remember, he met her at the bar and then she decided she was going to leave her husband. And once she decided, once she was ready to be with someone, it was going to be Ray. It's going to be Ray. So he's getting letters from her and not just one or two. Like he has a drawer full of letters from her, but he doesn't open them. Instead, he walks around pissed off assuming the worst because he saw in the paper that she got back with her husband. It's just a random photo of them together. They don't look loving or, you know, they're not holding hands or anything, but he's so caught up in that, that he's ignoring the actual correspondence from the woman he so desperately loves, allegedly. Well, Lucy being perceptive has noticed that he's been in a little bit of a funk and she wants to know why she wants to know if she did something. This is the thing. They go back and forth with Lucy. They try to make her like a, they don't realize she's 18. So yeah, she's going to have childish qualities, but they make her like a, like an 11 year old girl or like a 28 year old sex pot. There's no in between with her. And in this episode, she's more of like an 11 year old girl. Well, Ray, did I do something? I noticed you were, you know, you, you look sad. And he basically tells her what's going on with the Donna lady and that he has a drawer full of letters. So naturally she sneaks over there and she opens the drawer and she reads them. And he gets a little mad like he comes in right after. And she's like, fool, read these letters. This girl is in love with you. She's only with her husband because he's sick. He's dying. He needs like a nurse. So she's going to do the right thing. But once he's dead, excuse me, once he expires, she's going to come and, and be with you. Then he gets all happy. And I'm like, you fool. You had a drawer full of. It's one thing to think if someone doesn't want you. If zero letters. If you get, if you were getting a letter every other week or every week, come on now. Never occurred to this man to open the letters and read them. Ray's got a problem, y'all. So that's, it was an interesting twist. I'm assuming the girl's going to come back, but I'm also deciding I'm not going to think too much about it. Let's just let whatever happens, happens and enjoy the, <laughs> the, the pleasant and unexpected surprises on this show. All right, guys, the time has come to crown the best in bubbly for the week want to go over some good moments number one starting with falcon crest is julia <laughs> getting jumped for you know being tired from doing physical labor getting absolutely no love in prison and angela coming in to swoop in and save the day because she's still that chick on dynasty the extras being the most over-the-top extras ever loudly banging and playing that 20s flapper music people were dancing everybody was working up a sweat i mean they put in work that episode shout out to the extras on dynasty season three episode eight <laughs> digger barnes breaking his sobriety with just one drink shout out you know it's been a long road they recast him he did not show up to the barbecue and act a teetotal fool shout out to him okay what was the worst? Uh, I also have to say the worst. The, the dancing was the best and it was the worst because not everybody can dance on Dynasty. It is what it is. Crystal was trying to shake it fast. Watch yourself, her and Blake, and it was, it was a bumbling mess. Oh, another good spot. Kirby didn't look like a nanny this week. That was good. But she's got some dirt on her, so I can't wait to find out what that is. There weren't a lot of bad, like, oh, this is a horrible moment this week. It just... It was either interesting or it wasn't. So a lot of things have just kind of 
flown out of my mind. I did watch, I think I watched Dallas and no, no, no. I watched Falcon Crescent Dynasty on the same day. And then I watched Dallas the next day by itself. And I mean, it was that. It is what it is. But if I need to crown the best and brightest this week, it goes to Dallas. There was just a little bit more spice kicked up. They are clearly setting the stage for other stories. I like Suellen telling off JR. I like JR telling off Kristen. I like Kristen acting a fool for no reason. Um, It was a good episode. And I like the potential of two new love interests coming back onto the show. The more the merrier. That's the thing about Dallas. Like there's not, it's not a big cast. So you're going to need people in and out of there. Actually, neither one of them have a very big cast, but it is what it is. That's all I got for this week for season three, episode eight. Mind your business, stay hydrated, stay moisturized, and keep all of your drama on TV.